0: Ayers on the Road. Value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Eyer.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Ayres on the Road. This is Richard Eyer. And Linda.
0: And we are happy to be back with Ayers on the Road today.
1: Some of you that may be new should know that we started this show many years ago when we were literally on the road pretty much all the time and so we'd call in from airports or from on the road driving or whatever because we were doing more speaking and more traveling than we are now we're still doing quite a lot but we're trying to cut back but we kind of like the name ire's on the road because it's a good name for a parenting show because parents are sort of always on the road mentally and physically and spiritually
0: (laughs) absolutely on the road is symbolic It is really interesting that um, we are finally into spring here. Uh, Wow, we've had a long winter out here in Utah, and uh, especially in Park City where we are, wow, uh, we came home last week from a trip and to four inches of snow.
1: But we're pretty excited this morning because we're going to start a little, kind of a mini series on ours on the road, and it's going to be about marriage. In fact... It's not only going to be about marriage, Linda, it's going to be about marriaging. There's our new word for you today, marriaging. And why do we call it that?
0: Well, I think we've talked about this briefly before. When we were teaching a class, a parenting class, um, we asked how many felt that they were spending more time and mental effort and thought on their parenting than their marriage. And then we thought, wait a minute, marriaging is just as important as parenting. The answer from this group was 90% of them were spending more time on parenting, a lot more.
1: They were working harder at their parenting than they were at their, and it just seemed natural to say, marriaging. And, And we then asked them, we said, well, is that a problem? And they all thought it was a problem. Everyone acknowledged that the marriage ought to be the first priority and we'll have huge impact on the parenting, whereas it doesn't necessarily work the other way around. A lot of a lot of people just working so hard at parenting, but in a way neglecting their, their marriage or thinking it'll somehow just sort of be on self-pilot and take care of itself. And so we, we started thinking about that word marriaging because, you know, marriage is a noun, right? I mean, Marriaging is a verb. Parenting is a verb. Those are words that you can get into. Those are action words. Those are, they imply improvement. They imply this is like an art. It's like a skill. It's like a science. You can work at it. You can get better at it. And so we started using the word marriaging. And then a little time went by and we looked at each other one day, a year or two ago, and said, how is it? Well, we didn't actually say this, we knew the answer, but other people, including our publisher, were saying, how is it that you two have written so many parenting books and family books and work-family balance books and so on, and you've never done a book on marriage? I mean, you're, you're saying that marriage is more important than parenting in some ways, and yet you've never tackled the subject in terms of writing about it. And as I recall, we said, well, we can't write a book on it yet. We haven't figured it out yet for ourselves.
0: Yeah. And actually, it took us 50 years to figure this out. And so we were nearing our 50th anniversary. And we decided, you know, maybe, maybe now's time the time to write something. we got this figured out. I do have to say... We don't argue nearly as much as we did when we first got married.
1: But that, that may not be good, because we used to learn so much from no, arguments. No, that's good.
0: That's good. Because we disagree on everything, on the way to do everything, but we've figured out some better ways to manage our disagreements.
1: Well, we're giving you a little background here to lead into this series that we want to do on ours on the road. But it has been a joyful ride, Linda. And we do have our 50th anniversary this summer. July thirtieth to be exact. and so going back again to a year and a half or so ago, we decided let's take a crack at a marriage marrying, marriage, not a marriage book, but a marrying book, and we've been working hard on it ever since and and it is going to come out in July, and it's not going to be released until exactly the date of our anniversary. But we have decided that you listeners on ours on the road deserve a thorough preview, so, Over the next eight weeks or so, we're going to talk about the eight myths of marriaging. The eight myths of marriaging. Now, you might say, why would you approach a book like that? Well, it's kind of simple. You want to elaborate on this, Linda, but basically we thought, we probably know more about what not to do in marriage than what to do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we figured out the things that really don't work, or things that really aren't what people think they are when, when you get married. There are a lot of things that you go into marriage thinking this is the way it's going to be or this is what's going to happen and it just doesn't happen that way very often.
1: And a lot of them are posed as sort of common wisdom. I mean, a lot of these myths that we're going to be talking about are are thought of as truths. They're thought of as they're, they're, they're advice that you've probably received about marriage. And there's just a lot of false Sort of sentiments or ideas or information about marriage in the world. I don't know why. I mean, I guess we could explore that, but they're just they're just some cliches or some ideas or some advice that people give out about marriage that are they're, they're just myths. They're they're not true. And so we're we're going to review eight of those on the show today, just as a kind of a table of contents, just in terms of what these eight myths are. And then over the course of the next few weeks, we're gonna go into them one at a time because each of them deserve a little time. So as a review, Linda, why don't we start off with number one?
0: Well, number one is called the clone myth uh, in parentheses and other myths about a likeness and agreement. You know, the, the actual myth, is a good measure of the quality of your relationship or marriage is how alike you are and how infrequently you disagree or argue.
1: Now, see, a lot of people really believe that. They believe that, hey, if you want to know how good your marriage is, it's pretty simple. If you're, Just if find you're somebody agri- that's
0: compatible, that believes what you do. Yeah,
1: and- if you're agreeing all the time and, and you don't have any any differences, then that's a great marriage. Well, that's a myth. <laughs> It's a myth for two reasons. Number one, that kind of marriage really doesn't exist. Well, it might. I'll tell you a story about that in a minute. But number two, that's not really what you'd want. You wouldn't want to be married to your clone, to someone who's precisely like you.
0: No, and I don't think it ever happens, but there are some that are um, better than others. But with every myth, we also have a truth. And and what we have figured out is what's really true about this kind of myth. And this is, um, the answer to that on this one is, the best and most exciting marriages are between strong individuals who relish rather than resent their differences, who each have their own unique opinions and can disagree, debate, and learn from each other. How you resolve is a better measure uh, than how often you need to.
1: I like that last sentence. Think about that. How you resolve disagreements is a better measure of your marriage than how often you need to resolve.
0: Yes, and we've figured out every wrong way to do it. <laughs> we have been so bad. Uh, I do have to say that we, when we got married, uh, we loved this dear man, and he's passed on now. And so we're not going to tell you who it is, but he gave us some really bad advice. He gave us some great advice. But before we got married, we went to his home and he uh, gave us all these things to go live by. And most of them were great. But this one was really bad for us because he said, never go to bed on a disagreement. Never let the sun set on an agreement. And never, you know, just don't go to bed mad at each other. <laughs>
1: And we thought, Don't well, that go to sleep good. until you've worked it out. That sounded good,
0: <laughs> but after we had not had sleep for several months, <laughs> we decided we got to revise years, that. We got to revise years, that. Thing. We lived with that. thinking, <laughs> We really need to work this out, and it's just the worst advice. Oh man!
1: We ended up saying, "Hey, let's let's make it a weekly thing. Let's. There are some things we're not going to resolve right on the spot, but let's never let a weekend." without some sort of discussion of it. So we started having these things called Sunday sessions where we would, um, and I'm not saying you should let things go and fester, but you don't have to work out every single thing at the spur of the moment. Sometimes it's impossible. And so we began doing it a little differently. And I just have to say quickly on this one, Linda, that. Part of our resolution to this was I was on an airplane one time long ago, early in our marriage, and I was seated next to a, a very droll British fellow, who uh, I found out was a marriage counselor in England, and he uh, said he'd been working at that for 40 years, and I was kind of interested, so I got out my pen and pencil and started taking notes. And one of the things he said is, you know, I've run into three kinds of three three different kinds of marriage which have absolutely no conflict, no disagreement. They're completely without argument or, or, or fighting. And I'm like, wow, tell me those. And I'm ready with my pencil. And he says, well, the first one is where one of the two is such a total dominant person. And the other one is such a doormat that they just never disagree. One just calls all the shots. I'm like, oh man, I don't want that. Well, what's the second one? He says, well, the second one is where one or the other is dead. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> we're getting work. nowhere here. What's the last one? And he says, well, very common, this last one. Uh, two people that are married, but they're, they're on such separate tracks. Their lives are so completely um, independent of each other that there's never really anything to disagree about. And I'm like, wow, those are the three. And, of course, the point he was making was there aren't any real marriages without disagree because people are individuals and so on. So we create a lot of sub myths around this and you've heard a lot of these before. Let's read a few. Well,
0: a sub myth, um, first of all, wanting my spouse to complete me is a realistic hope for marriage.
1: No, no, that doesn't work. Uh,
0: well, in some ways, I mean, obviously we give to each other what we have and, and we do absorb some of the things. Sure,
1: but the truth that that, that counters that sub myth is, you should work to complete yourself, and should support your spouse in that same personal quest. In other words, it's a it's a bad myth to think to sit there waiting for your spouse to complete you in some way. You you need to be the one. To complete yourself and to support your spouse another sub myth the more you disagree the worse your marriage gets and the less likely you are to ever get in sync and the corresponding truth is marital conflict resolution or mutual
0: understanding is a growing process and a learned skill and there are three basic methods that are almost always helpful. And I don't think we're going to go into...
1: Well, we'll just mention them briefly, that, you know, taking a pause, we call it going to the balcony when the argument starts to escalate, getting away from it for a few minutes. Yeah, which
0: is the exact opposite of continue fighting until you die.
1: (laughs) Right, right. Because
0: um, we just discovered this in the last few years. We have a friend who suggested this. You know, when you get in an argument, just go to the balcony in other words figuratively leave go change clothes and then go stand afar and look back at the argument and see what happens
1: time is flying we're gonna we're gonna review all these myths but we wanted to go a little more deeply into the first one but let's take a little break and we'll come back and talk about the other myths of marriaging be right back on iris on the road
0: Welcome back to Iyer's on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back talking about marriaging today. It really is amazing
1: um, how many people spend more time on their parenting than they do marriaging. So, marriaging, the the eight myths of marriaging. And we are finishing the first one, which we've gone into a little detail because we wanted you to get an idea of the structure. The sub-myths of that clone myth, things like children should never see your parents disagree, and the truth is they need to know that their parents are independent and separate individuals, but they need to also see you make up. Now, you get an idea of, of how each of these myths kind of lays itself out. What we want to do for the rest of the show today is just read through the other seven As a kind of a preview or a table of contents and then when we come on ours on the road next week we'll go into number two the second myth and then we'll we'll take the time these myths deserve and the corresponding truths that really ought to inform and improve all of our marriages so myth number two the achievement myth and other myths about
0: priorities So the actual myth is achievements are harder and take more work than relationships.
1: And the truth is relationships are, both in the short term and the long term, always more important than achievements. And frankly, they're usually harder than achievements.
0: Oh, and we just don't take enough time thinking about it. I mean, achievements are right in your face and you have to take care of the stuff that you're achieving every day, whether it's your career or the kids or whatever it is. But the fact is, relationships are really harder because you have to think. You have to think really hard about the relationship you want to have with your
1: spouse. And we're going to try to give you some simple keys to working harder and more effectively on that relationship. Myth number three, we call the independence myth and other myths about freedom. This is a very interesting one. The myth is... It is best for each spouse to maintain his or her own independence and form a self-reliant two-way partnership.
0: And oh, that the, sounds good.
1: Sounds good, but the problem with it is that independence, well, the problem comes out
0: in the truth. Read the truth. The truth. Independence is overrated and lonely, and it gets more so the longer we live. Interdependence is the knowledge of this simple Vulnerable truth, and it is a joy to willingly, enthusiastically trade your independence for interdependence. I can't
1: wait to talk more about that one, Linda, because interdependence is the most wonderful thing in the world. Not codependence, but Independence is just not, it's not even, it's just a joke. None of us are independent. No,
0: but you have to be, we have to be careful in this because we do, we still are who we are. We We are are the individuals that we are and we have our own needs and our own um, passions and loves and things that we love to do and so on. And that is very unique and very important. It's not like you're going to be meshed into each other. No, well, and that's be the clone myth. You, the you, don't want,
1: you don't want to be. You want, right. to, you want to maintain who you are, but interdependence incorporates that. And it's the, it's the beautiful, conscious, free choice of saying, I'm going to give up my independence in order to have something better, which is the interdependence of a marriage and i'm excited to talk more about that one it's just so interesting to explore number four one of one of our favorites
0: yes the perfection myth and other myths about happiness and expectations the actual myth i can find or create a perfect match for myself and then i will be happy
1: that's that's a that's the myth that is so perpetuated often especially in religious settings And in the church where people think, I've got to find my soulmate no matter what. Well, the actual truth is some married couples are better matched than others. And there are even those who believe they have found their soulmate. And that's wonderful. But most marriages are about accommodation and adjustment. And they're more about changing our own mind than about fixing our spouse
0: yeah, um, I have to admit that, honey, when I married you, I thought, <laughs> well, I love almost everything about Richard Iyer, but I, there's some things that just really bug me, so I I can fix that. I know I can fix that. Guess what? No. <laughs> well, <you> know, that's, <laughs> well that, that there's affects, some adjustments. There are some adjustments.
1: Sure, but that affects it. so many different <laughs> marriages, and, and we're excited to talk in real depth about that one and how to how to work on the truth instead of the myth. Number five, we call the no waves m- myth, no waves, and other myths about marital communication. This is a big one. The myth is that in marriage, some things are better left unsaid and it's safest to float along and not make waves. You've all heard that. Yeah. If some things are better left unsaid. It sounds like such irrefutable wisdom, But here's what we think the corresponding truth is. And this is kind of an interesting saying too. And this one really, I hope, will ring true to you as it does to us. Unexpressed feelings never die. They just get buried and come forth later in uglier forms. Timing is important, but the best marriages communicate everything, even when it creates some turbulence
0: now when we talk to people about this when they're going wait a minute wait a minute there's a time to say things that are bothering you and there are times not to say and we agree with that and we totally agree that so there when we talk to people about this we really have a fun time because they've wait a minute what about when i say to my husband does this dress make me look fat you don't want to be honest, you know, if it really does. I mean, there are some things, there are caveats with this and it, it's fun to talk about. It. So we're going to have a good time with this when we talk
1: about yeah, it. Yeah, the, the whole idea about how to really be one and express everything, but not in ways that offend or, or harm. So that's number five. We're going to be excited for to do a show on that. Number six... The test drive myth. Now, this this affects some people much more than others. The test drive myth and other myths about marital commitment. The myth is, you've heard this before, you wouldn't buy a car until you'd taken it on a test drive and it is unwise to make a marriage commitment before you've lived together long enough to know if it'll work and if you can get through the tough times together. Well, that is a bad myth because... The facts are that when you are cohabitating as a couple, you have a twice as great a chance of not being together in 10 years than you do if you're married. So the truth is, it is the commitment that makes a marriage work. Real security comes from promising and implementing complete allegiance, not from conditional, tentative, try-it-and-see kind of relationships. So that's the test drive myth, and it'll be fun to talk about even a few statistics on that one when we get to it. Number seven, maybe the one that uh, we get the most pushback on as we've been working on these myths, but really a fun one to talk about is the equality myth and other myths about sameness. Linda?
0: So the myth uh, is equality should be the prime goal of your relationship or your marriage.
1: And everyone would would probably agree with that until you look a little closer at that word equality. And so here's the corresponding truth that we think is much better than the myth. Striving
0: for equality breeds comparing and criticism and it may produce more competition than compatibility. It's better to work for a marriage of synergistic oneness that breeds cooperation and compensates for the other one's weakness. And, you know, there there is a lot of truth to that. That is the truth. Um, there's so much talk in the women's liberation thing, which actually, I believe, did a whole lot of good for a lot of marriages.
1: And still does. And
0: still does. And so we want to be sure we're on uh, the right wavelength here. But But also, having everything be equal is just... It just doesn't work because you have different things that you have to do. And different phases of life. Different phases, And sometimes
1: one has to give more than the other. And and sometimes one is in a a hard place. And, you know, the whole 50-50 thing, like I'll meet you in the middle, but I'm not going more than 50%. Those marriages are very, very fragile because, you know, sometimes it has to be 90-10 and then it can reverse the other way. So the whole i guess it's really linda about defining equality and if equality means sameness and always 50-50 then it's a dangerous thing it's about scorekeeping it's about comparing it's about wait a minute what about me and that is very destructive so yeah. again we want to get into that one in a lot of depth and there's there's a bunch of sub myths that go with each of these that we'll have time for on, on each show. But the last one um, might be in some ways the funnest one to talk about, honey, because it's the, the myth of marriage's demise and other myths about the macro of marriage in, in society, in our larger society.
0: So this one will will be interesting to discuss because we have done a lot of research on this and the myth is marriage is on the decline and disappearing as an institution. We're all worried about that.
1: Now you could back that up with statistics, you know, fewer and fewer people are getting married. The divorce rate continues to be really high. Uh, cohabitation is what people do three to one over getting married when they first move in together. So you can paint a pretty gloomy picture. Of marriage in the world, there are studies in in some Asian countries that uh, a majority of young women don't want to ever be married. There are other studies that indicate that people feel like marriage is a formality that they don't need. And you know, you hear the old cliche of I don't I don't need some ink on a piece of paper to prove my commitment. I can just live with a person and it'll be fine. And so you, you, could really, you could really make an argument that marriage is a disappearing institution, but boy, that's not what we find in our travels, in our speaking, in our working with couples. What we find is...
0: The truth is the strongest, most fulfilling marriages in the history of the world exist today. Think about the wonderful marriages that you see that we're all surrounded with. They're really working hard to whether or not they have children. They're working hard on each other. They're working hard on raising beautiful families. And
1: they're more real partnerships. They're they're more... uh, Again, I I use the word equality now in the positive sense. They're, They're oneness marriages. They're marriages where they're not... I mean, it's almost like you take the best that existed in the marriages of the 50s. Sometimes people are romanticizing. Oh, the 50s, back when... Everyone knew their role and people didn't get divorced and people stayed together through thick and thin and so on. But when you look with a microscope at some of those marriages, 40, 50, 60 years ago, they were not very oneness. They were not very partnership. They were not very equal. They were a little skewed in a lot of ways. I mean,
0: well, some, some probably were, but think about your parents and your grandparents, you know, uh, especially going back two generations um, the marriages were just kind of helping each other get through, and um, it it didn't feel like a real partnership. So what
1: we think is that the you know the the institution of marriage is in trouble in some ways, but the marriages that that are good are very very good because they have commitment, but they also have partnership, and they also have this oneness and this equality in the positive sense of the word. So. Those are some interesting myths. So there's there's eight of them. We've talked quite a bit about the first one, the clone myth, about that it's not an ideal to be just alike and to be exactly the same. Next week on the show, we're going to go into number two and spend some time on it and really talk about the myth. And then the following week, number three, and so on. And I think that if we can do this together we can learn and explore each of our individual marriages and find out whether there's some false premises there that we have to get rid of in order to get on track and make them the best they can be the only
0: thing that make this better is if we could talk to you personally and it's not going to work but we hope that it will raise some feelings and some thoughts that will really help your marriages we hope you'll join us
1: because the bottom line is marriage is the most important institution in the world and we each want to improve our own union We're going to work on it with you over the next few weeks.
0: Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you
1: next time on Ayers on the Road. Take care. Have a good week.